0: This is Why Small Business Matters from Northumbria University. Supporting small businesses with the Help to Grow Management Programme.
1: Welcome back to Why Small Business Matters, brought to you by the Help to Grow Management team at Northumbria University. My name is Kate Harland, and in this episode, we discuss why culture and values can't be created overnight, why support networks are immensely important in business and building a brand from the ground up.
2: My belief is just be authentic, just be yourself. I- I'm not going to make stuff up and post it on social. It's just not who I am, but a lot of people allegedly do.
1: Today we are joined by Steve Underwood, co-founder and managing director of Bonded, an award-winning marketing agency launched in 2021 with northern roots and global client ambitions. Steve is a prominent member of the Business and Sector Growth Board for the Northeast Local Enterprise Partnership, also chairing a sub-board for digital Strategy. Strategy. In addition, Steve chairs a regional committee for NABS, a support organisation for people working in advertising and media. Good to have you on the podcast, Steve.
2: Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
1: I guess a good place to start is to hear a little bit about your background.
2: Okay. I, I, I've worked mainly in uh, marketing agencies uh, over the past uh, sort of 20 plus years. Uh, I started, um, I mean, I graduated from university, wow, back in. 2002, uh, and then I had a couple of, um, sort of introductory career roles, should we say, um, one of which was in Sunderland, where you're based today, uh, for, uh, Sunderland Council, uh, doing the marketing for, uh, Britain in Bloom, of all things, um, where, you know, Sunderland had a, uh, finalist category there. So, uh, that was a really interesting sort of consultancy project that I did. Um, but then, yeah, from that point on, really, I, uh, sort of started in agency world, if you like. Um, I was 10 years plus about 10 and a half years, uh, a director of an independent agency. Um, and from that point, I, um, exited that, that business and, um, went into a global agency, um, which was sort of the other end of the scale, going from sort of small SME business, um, to, you know, business employs 50,000 people around the world in, I think, about 110 countries. Um, and I had um, a leadership role there where I oversaw the business and the office in, in the region in the Northeast, but also sat on the uh, board uh, for for that business. So sort of the senior part of the senior management team driving against the sort of strategic vision and um, as well as my Experience in the independent agency that that was hugely valuable that PLC sort of bigger business, uh, how bigger business operate. And I think more specifically for my agency experience, it really gave me an experience of what it's like to work with sort of sector leading brands and, you know, big household names and the types of marketing that, you know, you need to deliver to keep them at the forefront of their industry and ahead of the competition. And, you know, that, that was hugely valuable. Um, and to be honest, some of the people I met, uh, in that environment were just so impressive, brilliant to work with. And, you know, I've really been, uh, fortunate to work with some incredibly talented people, uh, in that business particularly. Um, and that's, that's really, you know, in a, I was there six years, um, up until 2021. And, you know, gained some such valuable experience from that, that six years that I had. And, you know, um, off, after that, we, uh, we launched bonded. Um, so, you know, um, and, and here we are today really. So, uh, we launched bonded in, uh, July, 2021, um, back into independent agency worlds. Uh, we're a medium digital agency consulting with clients, uh, not too dissimilar to, you know, the agency that I spent sort of 10 years in, although, Different enough, I guess, you know, different services uh, taking forward experience to sort of fast track the start of the business, you know, but it's fair to say that the, pre- the experience I've previously gained has been invaluable really to starting a new business in in the same, same space. And uh, yeah, here we are, you know, second year, uh, end of our second financial year is going to be the end of July. So uh, not too far away. Uh, and, you know, very pleased with how it's gone overall. Um, and uh, that, that's that's a plotted, a quick um, whistle-stop tour of my, my business career anyway, uh, in terms of uh, jobs that I've had.
1: And there's a few kind of spin-off questions I want to ask about that as well. So, It seems to be a current theme with a lot of business owners and business leaders that they've had experience of kind of working for the small independents and, and going from an SME right the way up to the kind of the big corporate life and the corporate role and the corporate structure and then coming back into the SME world. How did you find that shift coming back into it?
2: I mean, it was a considered decision um i it wasn't like i you know got up one day and just said like let's just do it i mean you know i I, i'd like to take the required consideration over you know big decisions of which this one was one of them um i also have responsibilities in my personal life i have you know a family uh, with three young children so um and actually at the time um uh, my wife, my wife was pregnant. I mean, I literally had my third child, uh, or my wife did. We, we, we had a, a third child, um, a, a week before we launched the business. I mean, it was a very considered. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So we launched the business on, um, July the 6th. Uh, my, my, my daughter, my youngest daughter was born. Uh, at the end of June. So, um, it was an interesting, uh, paternity leave, shall we say, with two other children in the house. <laughs> and busy
1: lunch. little time. But,
2: yeah. Yeah. I was thinking <laughs> over it this morning, actually. Um, my, um, my boy was quite, uh, sort of Freddy's called is the middle one. He was, uh, a little bit, um, uh, unsettled as it often happens. And he was also getting up consistently at four in the morning. And obviously my wife was sort of, uh, you know looking after the baby during the night uh so you know it was absolutely my responsibility to look after the other two uh and get up with the little one uh fred um at four in the morning you know get them ready for nursery and school and do that pick them up and so forth whilst launching a new business and doing everything you need to do so it it was an interesting period shall we say um yeah uh pushed 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 us to our limits i think but in a good way hugely positive um so uh yeah, to come back to your original question, I do feel, I mean, it was a very considered journey for me, both to move to the PLC, or decision-making journey, both to move to the PLC and then I exit the PLC to start the business, weighed up all the options and why I wanted to do it. For me personally, I hugely value the PLC experience that I got. Uh, you know, I, I don't regret that at all. And I can only see the positives in that what I gained from that experience. And so many positives around, you know, st- company structure, uh, policies, procedures, you know, how to do business in many ways, at a professional organized level that you often, unfortunately don't get in SMEs. So it's so hugely valuable. So from my personal experience, it, it's great taking that forward into an independent. And part of our proposition as Bonded is, you know, the five founders of the business or the five shareholding directors of the business, uh, and others who were for Bonded are sort of ex-global agency, you know, who are now in agile, independent worlds. So, you know, in many ways, I'm mean, just trying to sell it, um, you know, all the experience and credentials of working for a, a big agency in an environment where we can uh, commit senior resource to clients. We can work as quickly as we want, provide the quality of service that we want and we believe in. So, in many ways, we'd position it as, you know, best of both worlds, really. Um, so, you know, it's good from a business proposition as well, uh, to be able to talk to clients. And I think, you know, a lot of companies get it quite quickly and are, like value it. I'd like to think that anyway. And they're like, yeah, okay. You know, you're not just another agency of which there's thousands in the UK. Um, you know, you're, you're a bit different. So, um, so yeah, yeah my, my very considered journey for me. I can't speak on behalf of other people, but I can certainly understand why it might be a consistent process for other people to go on that journey as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of bringing all of those learnings and scaling them back down. So when you kind of go from an SME into the corporate life and the large global organisations, you're kind of scaling up your skills, but it's taking those skills and then scaling them back down to fit. And it, and again, from what you've said, there's another, another couple of questions that are... Uh, kind of have for you. One of the comments you just made there was that you, ha- you have that quick responsibility, being able to get back to clients very quickly and being able to make those personal connections with your clients. Do you feel that is a, a great strength of being an SME is that you can have that personal connection with your clients?
2: It, it enables us, I guess, owning and leading our own business as, as sort of shareholders of an independent a business. You know, we can We can behave, we we can set our own, you know, service levels with clients and act in a way that we're not restricted by um, any predefined ways of working. It's within our gift, really. And really, so really the way that we do that, which is a considered way, is, you know, we prioritize what we believe is going to be most valuable for clients. We're a service business, so service is naturally uh, an important part of how we work with clients and what clients value particularly in this fast-paced digital world that we we live in um so yeah you know it's it's really within our gift to be um uh, as quick and responsive as we, we believe we we should be um whilst also thinking and giving the rigor behind you know the work that we do you know because a lot of it is quite uh, detailed uh analysis and data-led information. So it does take a bit of time, but yeah, certainly, you know, um I think that connection piece I'm sure we'll come on to that is part of our, well, is our core brand belief. And therefore, you know, the way we behave leads off that core brand belief and therefore how we deliver service for clients is linked directly to that. Um Yes, you know, that's all fundamental to how we, we work and behave as a business. Um, we do commit senior resource to, to um, client accounts. We don't just work with SMEs, but we certainly take a view on working with um, ambitious growing businesses. And often we align with that uh, ambition, uh, you know. Um, and again, you know, we can work with smaller companies as well as uh, mid and larger companies because we've got the experience of, of, of doing it. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, certainly connecting with clients effectively, committing senior resource, delivering appropriate service levels, um, you know, that's fundamentals to our business really.
1: You've come quite nicely onto, um, the next topic, which is building a brand. So I want to talk about that kind of process of building a brand and, and also building a company culture because you're kind of building something from the ground up, aren't you? You're not only building that outward-facing business but you're also dealing with some of the internal uh, processes like company culture and what your values are and, and what your kind of mission is. And I guess we have a little bit of a kind of chicken and egg situation here. What comes first? Do you focus on the brand or do you focus f- focus on your internal um, kind of processes? But we'll start with building the brand. Where do you start with that? And is bonded the same brand that you started with two years ago from the original idea or have you almost shaped the brand as you've been in business for the last two years?
2: I wanted something that we really believe in and you know uh, a reason for be, be uh, being essentially as a, as a company a reason for like why basically is a good word right why why are we going to start this business beyond like we think we're good and we think we can deliver great service particularly in what is quite a saturated market. Like I think, you know, there's tens of thousands of agencies in the UK. Um, I don't know the latest figures, but it's quite a lot. Um, and there's a lot of, I believe like a lot of me too propositions because ultimately not to be critical of other agencies, I think by their own admission, like, you know, a lot that, that for whatever reasons, there's a lot that look very similar, you know, that do similar things and, appear similar in it. It must be really difficult for potential clients to look at agencies when they're reviewing or they decided that one might want to work with on and go, what's the difference between like all these different options that I've got. But the core is like, I believe when you're launching any type of business, the best businesses, the most effective businesses, and to be honest, when you're running and leading a business, having a real belief behind You know, why you started this business, why the business exists. We spent a lot of time talking about, like, why are we starting this business? You know, why, why am I, why are we starting it? What, what do we want to achieve? And, um, it got to the point where we sort of said, right, well, I think we've got it actually. Um, it's about, it's about connection, it's about people and human connection in, in a world that is very dominated by tech. And we embrace that, you know, but, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the things we talk about um, in terms of what we do as a business and what other businesses talk about in our space is essentially technology-driven. You know, it's driven by developments in tech, and that leads to opportunities and better ways to do business and more efficient ways to do business and everything else. And we're on the cusp of all that. We hugely value it, and we need to be at the forefront of all those developments. But what we value even more is connecting on a human level with our own people. Um, our clients and, and people that work on our, our client side and, and the wider business community. Uh, and that it, it's almost a simple ideology, but it's multi-layered, you know, in terms of depth and sets the tone for our behavior. Um, and our, and our belief really. Um, and it's evidenced through, which we may come on to certain, um, additional initiatives that we're involved in. Um, so that, that, that was, um, and we actually, and it's not something I talked about. Um, on, on social too much, but we actually, well, at all really, this next point, but we actually use literature as well to, um, there's a book, um, well, there's an author called E.M. Forster, and he published a book and he had a, in, in the 50s or a series of books, but there's one in particular where he had an ideology of only connect. It's a really interesting piece of literature, um, that basically was hugely ahead of its time. And, um, identified that over the forthcoming decades, there would be huge growth in technology. But really, um, what the fundamentals of us, um, as human beings is we need to, we need connection. Technology might offer us opportunity as a society, but don't undervalue the importance of human connection.
1: Yeah. And I guess something that has a bit of meaning personally as well, because you're right, that whole balance of, tech and and personal connection is absolutely key in making sure that you can have a a steady growing business because if you know you lose that personal connection with your clients somebody else is just going to come and sweep them away so I guess that whole process is built through your brand you know that idea of connection and making that personal connection with people and branding is such a big decision on top of everything else that you have to deal with as a business owner. So, what advice would you give to anyone struggling with the processes and the creative challenges around branding?
2: Yeah, just try and take the time. I mean, obviously, if you're running the business already, time's like quite a challenging thing uh, or can be. Um, so, it's easier said than done to create like thinking time, particularly for something like that if it doesn't come natural. But it's it's so important. Um, It's so important and, you know, with the proliferation of channels like social media and uh, all the narrative nowadays around personal branding and building your visibility, particularly on platforms like LinkedIn, which I very much see the value in and do subscribe to and commit to. um, But there's a lot of narrative at the same time around inauthentic uh, content approaches through that are driven by just visibility, I guess, and then trying to... Achieve optimum, maximum visibility. Um, my, my belief is just be authentic, just be yourself. Don't, I mean, that's fundamental to my values anyway, and the values of the business around honesty, integrity, transparency. Um, so, naturally, you know, I, I'm not going to make stuff up and post it on social. It's just not who I am. So, um, but a lot of people allegedly do uh, just to get visibility. So, that, I think that's an important point to make is just be authentic be who you are because if you believe in yourself and your business surely being authentic is is how you should behave really
1: some business owners do struggle with that whole personal branding so they've spent so much time on what their business looks like and what it is and and how other people perceive it that sometimes they forget that you know there's a person behind that business and therefore there's a personal brand to be made and sometimes that kind of visibility say on LinkedIn for example and being quite vocal about leading that business and what have you can sometimes seem like they have to post content for content's sake just to show that they're they're out there and you know people can see them and they're visible. What advice would you give to anyone that's perhaps struggling with their own personal brand and how they can have a voice on social media as a business leader?
2: I, I would try and position social media and the the individual platforms as, you know, how does it fit within your business plan? Like in the marketing of your business, um, for some businesses, it might be less relevant than others, for instance, uh, and try and just have perspective on how important it is. Basically don't get too, the, the challenge with social media is you can almost get too drawn into it from a bonded lens, you know, um, communicating, uh, our company culture, effectively, our journey. A lot of people have said to me personally, unprompted, you know, I love following your journey on bo- about bonding. And that, that's been interesting, actually. You know, you put it's like my world, it's not anyone else. You know, it, it's not other people's world necessarily. So um, it's good that I get positive feedback on that. So I try and, like, communicate the journey, company culture, and within the journey story, like, naturally, if we win awards and things like that, I'm going to post about that type of stuff. Uh, and all the different sub bits of that, like we publish new content on the blog, all that type of stuff. So, uh, and then um, there's the people stuff outside of that. So, you know, valuing that, de- demonstrating that we value human connection. Essentially, the work that might come onto around that we do with NABS and Red January and other and other things. I, I talk about a bit about that as well. And sub sector of that is like mental health and well being. I've talked quite a bit about over the last three or four years, particularly over COVID. So, yeah, that's a general, you know, business um with relevance to what we do, um bonded Pacific content, and then general sort of business and people connection type content. So, yeah, to come back, so I think like r- having a bit of a framework around the types of pillars that you post on is, 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 is a recommended thing to do. Consistency in terms of time, consistency. You can schedule posts now on LinkedIn, uh, and that's come in. Over the past year. So that's a really useful thing. I, I, um, try to, uh, bulk schedule for over a few days. Uh, and often do that. Same people should do this. I often do that on a, on a weekend, on Sunday, for instance, just when I know I've got the time to do it. Um, I'm not people should work at the weekend. That works for me. So, um, so yeah, you know, and just give it a go and, and try not to be too worried about how many people are liking it and viewing it and stuff. It's easier said than done, but all the experience and what other people seem to say is the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the less you get concerned about a particular post not doing very well or or whatever your worries are.
0: You're listening to Why Small Business Matters. Find out how Northumbria University can help your business thrive through the Help to Grow Management Programme delivered by leading small business and enterprise experts from Northumbria University with the support of leading figures from industry and experienced entrepreneurs. The program supports senior managers of small and medium-sized businesses to boost their businesses' performance, resilience and long-term growth. The 12-week program is 90% funded by the government and the fee payable by participants is £750 and has been designed to allow participants to complete it alongside full-time work. The in-depth, high-quality curriculum supports Supports you to build your capabilities in leadership, innovation, digital adoption, employee engagement, marketing, responsible business, and financial management. By the end of the program, you'll develop a business growth plan to help you lead your business to realize its potential. To find out more about the program, the modules, eligibility, and fees and delivery dates, go to northumbria.ac.uk slash help to grow
1: listening to Why Small Business Matters. Today I'm joined by Steve Underwood, co-founder and managing director of Bonded. I want to get on to how a company culture is created and it can be a really daunting task for a business owner to think about what their culture should be, especially when you're starting from the ground up. At Bonded, you have the Bonded culture focusing on deep connections with your clients. How was that created and how do you embed that culture into your organisation as it grows?
2: So having a plan, I guess, around the type of culture that you want to create for us, based on human connection, bringing in uh, early um, uh, additional initiatives around supporting people on mental health and well-being, that uh, you know through lights and nabs, creating you know things like benefits and so forth that are sort of softer things. It all sort of adds up into a group of experiential elements that if someone comes to work at Bonded, they can expect this. Um, And really just an ethos around caring for people, you know, that, that's the fundamentals of it, really an authentic belief in that. So you're not just saying it, it is part of our, our existence, you know, it's part of who we are. So, um, that, that's really helped. And that I think having that to anchor back against just sets the tone for everything else. Um, so, so we've benefited, I guess, around the previous experience, the planning that we've had ahead of um, launching the business and setting up things like the brand belief that then set the tone for the vision and then everything else f- filters down from that. There's some best practices, but it really needs to be bespoke to what that business is and what they believe in and the types of people they've got there and, and the type of environment they want to create. You know, now like people, some companies are fully remote, aren't they? Versus some companies are choosing to have their staff in full time. You know, uh, that's only one aspect, obviously one aspect amongst many of culture, but that's just one example of like, I guess a fully remote business needs to think about how they create culture differently to where they'll be together consistently, you know? So there's lots of things to consider. Um... I think your values, though, and the culture that you want to create, is is a starting point to to, the, to, to a plan that then you should commit to and, and be consistent with. Um, I would say, you know, learning from past past experiences, inconsistency can be a real negative, particularly um, when leadership changes their mind consistently and there isn't a consistent sort of view, it can be quite confusing and disengaging for staff. So I think like have a plan, commit to it, be consistent, deliver on it. That's, you know, basic, I guess, around creating a good culture.
1: That's a secret formula.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So when people come through the business, Kind of after you've built that culture up, and you know people do leave, and you you get a turnover of staff, of staff, culture isn't almost a static thing, especially when you people change. So how do you ensure that that core culture of the business remains? Because you know it's 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 not about kind of this the you know just having the writing on the wall and 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 people looking to see what that is every day. Um, how do you? Kind of embed it in your practices of your business.
2: I mean, I think for us, it leaves the leads to sort of daily behaviours of how we how we behave as a business. So, um, but I would also say that you know we're only a certain size so far. So I'm realistic in considerations, and because you know, we're we've not actually had anyone leave yet either, <laughs> which is nice. And you know, yeah. Uh, so you know, to your point. Um, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to think that there won't be new things to consider as we, as we grow and we evolve. Um, but I think having it as part of, you know, how the business is run sort of day to it, day, it's helped in bonded, uh, because we have an investment in senior, uh, resource. Um, I mean, a number of our staff are, you, you know, we've got, um, five shareholding directors in the business we've got client director, um, senior manager. Um, you know, so we've got, and we'll continue to have invest horizontally at the top essentially. So we've got an operational strategy around how we'll grow. And I think that really helps as well to have good, um, senior people consistently as we grow, because naturally, you know, uh, they, they, um, will have more experience than junior people. And, uh, will, um, be developed in a way where, you know, they'll have sort of good, effective line management skills and so forth. So I think, I think that's also for our business, something we've committed to that's really going to help maintain culture, um, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, beyond 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 that, I mean, I I think again, it just comes back to having a plan, really, and having you know laying out what those values are, what those behaviours are, what the beliefs are around uh, the important pillars of a, a, a positive culture, and then regardless of whether people leave or new people come in, um, it's clear, transparent, and consistent around um, you know what they are and what the expectations are of new staff and how, as a business, we should behave
1: creating a vision a mission and a set of values can be quite overwhelming to particularly new business owners or someone who's never kind of doubled as a business owner or a business leader before what work went on behind the scenes to ensure you got the vision mission and values right for your business
2: i would say that simple and bit of advice would be if you can if you want to commit to the process create a budget employ a specialist and you know go through a sort of workshop process where you establish what's what the correct vision and mission and values are for your business. And and, and that can be revisited. Um, interestingly, my, uh, my wife, Hannah, she's running a workshop today coincidentally on um, with a charity on, uh, and they're an established charity. Um, but it's about vision, mission and values. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they, they've chosen and made a decision that that's valuable to them to do that at this point in their journey. and uh, But that's not a, New businesses, so established business. So, you, you you often you often find um, in our space um, that, and I'm sure this is consistent with a lot of like SME businesses, that people just start businesses, you know, because they want to. Uh, you know, they have their own motivations behind it. It might be they've had enough of where they work, or they want a better life work life balance, or they think they can do it better on their own or they're at the stage of the career where they want to give it a go, you know, all these different reasons um, and they often just do it, you know, and that is there's nothing wrong or be embarrassed about that. But I've seen that over the 20 years that, and then it's naturally a bit of an afterthought, you know, often you see businesses do well, they employ staff, and then they get to the point of, oh, We should really look at like having a vision here and mission and values. And and then they have to sort of retrospectively do it, which is completely fine as well. You know, Um, I I think not to dwell too much on the point, but probably comes down to your business plan. I mean, I definitely recommend people have a bit, at least the outline business plan before they launch a business. And it depends what that plan is. You know, I speak to certain consultants and they don't want to have staff, they just want to be a consultant. Others are like, yeah. I want to get investment. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to get staff. I want to build a big team. I understand the motivations behind both. So each business is unique and each will have its own plan. And that will depict how important things
1: like vision, mission and values are. You know, you mentioned about that authenticity earlier on. And that is absolutely key in creating that vision and and that mission, isn't it? And, And particularly values, because if you're authentic in what you do, you're encouraging everyone else to kind of come back to that authenticity um, kind of level and everything that they do should be authentic and that creates better working relationships, better client relationships. So, um, no, that's really good advice. And within this, you know, you also mentioned that people are absolutely central at everything that we do and it leads back again to your kind of key value, uh, core value, a bonded of that kind of um, concept of only connect and that connection so people management is extremely important Um, particularly in agencies I'm going to say given the stress of tight deadlines and pressured campaigns and you know you're constantly uh, working to the clock how have you navigated that not just in the business that you that you have now but in your experience how would you advise businesses to be more mindful of the pressures on their teams
2: so I think it starts with, so this is really important. This is where experience comes in as well. Um, setting the tone and, and setting uh, out the expectations at the start from both sides, really. It doesn't need to be too formal, but it, it's sort of just part of the process of, you know, what are we pitching to do? If we are successful within that pitch, what what are they going to employ us to do? And what are the expectations? Um, we don't oversell that. Lots of agencies do. Uh, and it's not a secret um lots of agencies have big sales teams who on targets you know it's not a sort of simple scenario and the, you know their, their objective is to drive new clients into the agency and there's a lot of overselling in our space I mean, i've now spoken about it before on social media and again for anyone who's got experience working with agencies i'm sure that won't be uh too much of a surprise that i say that it doesn't happen at bonded but i have seen at other agencies that sometimes you need to Unfortunately, it's very, very rare, but I do see other agencies like terminate on clients because for whatever reason, maybe they've been oversold at the start or or whatever, but it's an unrealistic expectation that the client has and and therefore um, they don't feel that they can deliver upon that because it's too unrealistic. So um, that occasionally happens. But yeah, I think putting our people first, uh, but just being clear, you know, we're building honest, authentic connections with clients. You're like, if we're doing that effectively, we should be able to have honest conversations with them and say, look, we can do this work. It's going to take this amount of time. And we believe if it's delivered in this time period, that that's a, a really valuable piece of work for you to be done. And I, I also think trust. So trust, trust is such an important, it's, it's such an, it's like a lot of things in life. I, I, I did a presentation last week to a grumpy, group of young people from a charity, and I said some of the most important things in life are the most simplest things, right? So, you know, in this world that we live in, so much stuff going on, so many fast developments, you know, can be overwhelming for some people at times. You know, am I doing the right thing, aren't I? I think, like, just anchoring back on, like, the fundamental principles of life are often, like, the most important. So one of the fundamental aspects of running a successful agency Is trust, like we work with people, they need to be able to trust us. Um, otherwise it's probably not going to work. So, you know, they've got to trust that we're the best partner for them, that they're investing X amount in us and we're going to deliver on what they think is a valuable, ideally over exceed on what they think is, is expected. And they need to trust us that we can do that. And that's why they're employing us to do it. So when we consult with them and say, right, yeah, we're going to deliver this plan, um, you believe it's going to take some hard time that that trust is is critical and I expect them to say great brilliant obviously there's loads of nuances in that conversation but it, it's very it's never a problem really uh, but I think it comes from experience from setting the right expectations delivering a great great client experience so that when you have the more challenging conversations they trust you uh, versus the stuff that you're doing really well
1: no absolutely and I think again it comes back to that making that personal connection because once you've made that personal connection you're allowing that trust to be built up and again it all comes back to your vision of and your mission of creating those personal connections so you can see how it all comes full circle and I think it's a testament to how strong that vision is in your business that you've never had to have that difficult conversation with a client where you know, your expectations don't match or they're just not perhaps feeling it both ways. Um, It all comes full circle. So you can absolutely see how important that is to your business. And it's also clear that you have a a great focus on community. It's really prominent in your vision and it's really prominent in the work that you do, particularly with charities as well. Um, So tell us a little bit how you nurture that.
2: Uh, certain things, you know, you go through experiences in life, you, some of them negative. I had a bit of a, uh, a health scare, I guess, um, back in about five years ago. Uh, I had um, pneumonia. I was all pre-COVID and ended up in intensive care. Uh, I've talked about it online before. Um, I was in intensive care for like four days. Um, I, had a, I, had a, I had two weeks in hospital. And, uh, I was off, I was off work for a month, which is just like, I've never had a month off work ever. (laughs) Um, you know, um, so it's quite, I mean, that amongst other things, I suppose just life experience as well. I like to think that whilst, you know, invest a lot in the business, invest a lot in a lot of, a focused number of things, um. Yeah, you know, the fundamentals of life really are like you know, if you can't help one another, like what's it all about, really? There's all sorts of things that, that I've, I've either started or am involved in. Um We run an initiative called Future Friday, for instance, at Bonded. That's something I started before Bonded, um, actually, during COVID, when lots of people were being made redundant Um because of the pandemic initially and and the downturn in you know advertising spend and you know companies significantly losing revenue, et cetera, naturally redundancies were happening. So, you know, we regularly post uh, jobs that are available in the region on our blog and promote it through social and connect brands to people is, is the strap line that, you know, if we can help build visibility of opportunities that are in the region and and help people who are struggling with, uh, you know, because they've been made redundant or they're just struggling and they want a new job, you know, it's making that process easier that they can have a consolidated place where they can go. Uh, and, and that's been a weekly initiative for, uh, we, d- we dropped off on the frequency a little bit recently, but we, uh, we've, we've been discussing that, getting that back up. Um, but you know, for the m- most part, I think it's been going three years now. It's been virtually every week for three years, virtually. So, you know, that's been a commitment. We don't, uh, you know, that's, that's something that we do for the community. Um, Red January is an initiative that, uh, I've been involved in, uh, has been a really effective initiative. Um, something that I've run for, uh, the, the, about 200 people, um, where but basically during COVID, we, uh, th- three years ago, um, we created a, I created an initiative where, um, I brought together in the end about 180 people from the business community largely in the northeast area, um, mainly from agencies, um, to partake in a challenge for Red January. Um, It was during a period where um, the country was in lockdown. Uh, A lot of business leaders were struggling behind the scenes uh, with what it meant mainly from their staffing and culture perspective, as well as commercially, it was a bit of a turbulent time. Um, So it's a lot of, you know, I'm connected on a personal level with a lot of business leaders, other agency owners, you know, just I develop relationships over time. And I know a lot of MDs and owners of businesses, particularly in the Northeast. So, you know, I was hearing things, I was having conversations and I just reached out to quite, you know, it was quite an organic process, really. It was quite a quick process. I think I came up with the idea mid December and red January starts on, uh, the first January and we had Christmas in between. So, um, but pulled together As I say, about 180 people. Um, For context, Red January is a national movement where about 50,000 people partake each year. It promotes the benefits of exercise for positive mental health and well-being. And it happens within January, as the name suggests, which is typically a time of the year when people might be be struggling a little bit more, sort of post-Christmas and so forth. So, yeah, we created this group. We um, set ourselves a challenge of Doing the combined steps from Newcastle, UK to Newcastle, Australia. It's just short of 10,500 miles. It's quite a lot of steps. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was just a, just a really, really enjoyable initiative, to be honest. Cause it just sort of came from nowhere and we did it and it sort of changed each day, but we had all sorts going on, uh, media owners involved. ITV, for instance, were hugely supportive. They did, um, we set up a LinkedIn group, um, where encourage people to post like, because uh, uh, we we're in lockdown, they post your photos when you're out on a walk or a run. Um, and we'll have a photo of the week competition. ITV put up a prize each week. Um, Google, Twitter, um, a couple of other media owners, they put forward prizes for, you know, monthly challenge around most steps taken and other bits and bobs. A bit of competition between the agencies as well, which is always nice to see. Uh, A bit of fun. Um, So yeah, and we actually, first year, ended up circumnavigating back round. So we went on till like, I think about the third week of March. Uh, We ran a poll to say, so we just keep going. Uh, And we went back round via Canada, I think it was. We used to distribute, well we did, we distribute um, like a weekly map. So we had like the designer on it, did like a global map, or we've reached India or something this week, you know, because that was the total steps and the equivalent mileage. Um, so yeah, it was just a really fun thing. And you know what? Like it was a very, um, non hierarchical thing as well. Uh, not that I mean, we, we have sort of quite a flat leadership, flat approach to how we run our business anyway. And that was very much the case on this challenge. I mean, I had. There was people posting on the group, and they're like mark you know managing directors of businesses, and there's people posting new words like graduates uh, or entry level staff, and everyone's saying like you know this has been re- I remember posts seeing posts where it's like I had a really tough day today I've been out for a run this challenge is really helping me, I just feel so much better now it's great to be part of this community, particularly during this really challenging time you know that was regular on that type of narrative was regular on this group it was just a great way to bring together the community. Um, I actually became, a have become really good friends with uh, Hannah Beecham, who is the CEO of Red January. Uh, you know, she's been hugely supportive. She recognised what we were doing. Um, she even on that first year and since has done things like, come on like group sort of uh, group calls where, you know, we've, encourage people who take part to join and, you know, hear from Hannah and things like that. Um, she'd been up to the Northeast, supported uh, an event that we put on post, um, uh, I think it was the second one we did. Um, and we h- hosted an event at the Time Man Brewery in the evening and she came up and spoke for a little bit and we had nabs there as well, which I'll come on too. So yeah, that's been something that's been rewarding for the community and, invested time in and obviously it's completely non-commercial it's not about anything like that it's uh uh just a really good initiative that is focused around sort of mental health well-being of what was what, like a really challenging time in that respect it's
1: just a way a really lovely way of bringing everyone together isn't it and recognizing that you need that space outside of the business to connect with people and share kind of what you're going through and share those uh, different experiences. I I kind of want to end on um, just asking you, if you were to give one piece of advice to any business leader of how to be an authentic business leader, what would it be?
2: I mean, just be yourself. (laughs) I suppose that's authenticity uh, to a T. Um, Depending on how you think and if it's how um, natural it is for you as a business leader, I would uh, So for me at my stage of my career, it, it's something probably I've given quite a bit of thought to, you know, my own values over the time that, you know, some of the experiences that I mentioned before, you know, honesty, transparency, integrity are, are just critical. Really. It's not just like bonded. It's just how I live. Basically, you know, integrity is just so important. So I will always try and do the right thing. So have a think about, like, what's important to you. If it doesn't come naturally, like, you know, what, what, what is important um, and therefore, you know, how does that then shape how I behave in business and what I suppose it all links off into like, you know, we talked about personal brand earlier, you know, just be authentic. You know, once you've been through the process of thinking, well, what is authenticity to me? You know, well, then you, you know how you want to be perceived by other people if it's you, so it, it, you shouldn't really have to manufacture it, just be yourself. And, um, you know, that leads into, you know, what you, the style of which you might post content online and how you want others to perceive you and, um, and so on and so forth. And, let, and let's be honest on the practical side of it, it. It's a challenge running a business, right? It's a challenge starting, starting a business depends on what your business plan is, but if you want to grow a successful business, engage people, have a great culture, great clients do great work, you know, it's not an easy thing. If you layer in like, in in, in authenticity and that like, Oh, I need to create this persona. That's not me and make myself into this person. I mean, it sounds like just a task that is unachievable and I don't know, like a load of stress and probably not going to work. So even on a practical level, just be yourself, believe in yourself, you know, believe in your vision for your business. And as long as you have that belief that you're doing the right thing, whatever that thing is, then you always got that to anchor back against, and that's you gives you the energy to drive forward in when you're going through the challenging times that you are going to have challenging times because everyone who runs a business has varying degrees of challenges. I think. So, um, but that that belief, that 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 trueness to yourself, that being yourself, that you know that will get you through those times and 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 you know hopefully deliver success whatever you're going to be doing
1: excellent well thanks so much steve you've shared some great insights especially for anyone um kind of coming up against building a brand or bu- building a business or how to deal with kind of even just those daily stresses so it's been wonderful to have you on this episode
2: oh thanks so much kate I've really enjoyed it thanks for inviting me
1: Thanks again to my guest Steve Underwood, co-founder and managing director of Bonded. This podcast is brought to you by the Help to Grow management team at Northumbria University. To find out how Help to Grow can help your business, please go to northumbria.ac.uk slash help to grow. Like or subscribe to Why Small Business Matters wherever you get your podcasts and let us know your thoughts by leaving a review.